welcome to Over the Edge Podcast with Paige Ray. I am Paige. And this is a weekly chat about pushing creative boundaries, making big moves without knowing all of the answers, and jumping off a cliff to our dreams while figuring out how to build a plane on the way down. So find your favorite chair, grab your coffee, and get ready to live the dream without losing your mind. Let's go over the edge together, friends. Welcome to Over the Edge Podcast. This week, we have an amazing guest, copywriter Samantha Hoylett. Let me tell you a little bit about Samantha. After quitting her job in D.C. in 2018, Samantha started her copywriting business with the goal of creating more time freedom and flexibility. She loves to travel and hated the idea of being given only 14 days off a year. And you guys, same. Like, that is so mind-blowing to me. So I fully agree. Since then, Samantha has become the go-to launch copywriter and messaging strategist in the online space. She supported hundreds of clients in selling more spots in their signature offers by helping them leverage bold messaging, compelling copy, and simple launches. And I can attest to this because if you're on my email list and you're like, wow, her emails are really awesome this year, it's because Samantha has my back. She's an incredible copywriter. So welcome, Samantha Hoylett. Thanks so much, Paige. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) I'm excited to have you here, especially because something that sits in my mind all of the time is how, one, how important it is for creatives to be doing what they want to do for a multitude of reasons. Like I extremely agree with the idea of like, we should have more time freedom. We should be able to take rest when we need it, to take travel when we want it, right? We should be able to explore those things for ourselves and not be bound to an office if that's not what we want. So I see a lot of creatives who want to move into the space of like being self-employed, working for themselves. And the big roadblock that they hit that I know you help them with is they're like, I love my craft, but like, how do I sell it? How do I talk about it in a way like they they're like averse to being what a lot of people would say is salesy, but Mm -hmm. I'm really big on sales. And so I'm, I'm hoping you'll walk us through a little bit, like How do creatives come to this roadblock? How do you see creatives? Do they come to this roadblock? Do you help them through it? What does that look like in your, in your work? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just such a beautiful thing, like working with creatives who are just, they're so passionate and they're so, you know, creative and great at their craft. They just care about, you know, reaching, you know, more people and like creating more joy in the world. And it's just awesome. But yeah, I think that, you know, being quote unquote salesy, (laughs) it's definitely a journey. I remember when I first started my business back in 2018, oh my gosh, like my, my hand was shaking, trying to like take a selfie so I could, you know, add to stories on Instagram. And it just felt like, um, nobody wants to hear from me or like, what am I going to say? Or like, can't they just buy my thing? I can help them. Like, don't they know that? (laughs) And so I totally get that fear, but I think honestly, it's one of those things that just takes time and it comes with practice. And for me, what is so motivating is like seeing this sounds so cheesy. I can't believe I'm about to say this, (laughs) but seeing the joy on a client's face when you are able to help them because you served them with your, with your gift, like priceless. And you kind of like, you for me, I got to a point where it was like, if I want to be able to not only like make a living, um, and like even beyond just a living, like thriving <laughs> in my business, I this is just part of the process. It's part of the way that you are going to be able to connect with people. And that's really how I see it is just like um, 
your content and like selling your offers, it's just building a bridge. It's just inviting people to learn more about what you do and how you help. That's really all it is. Like, it's not really salesy until they're excited about it and they're ready to buy. Until then, it's just in, it's just information. And that's how I see it too. That's a really good point. What would you say is the difference between something that like people would mark as salesy versus like, I'm just giving people the information on how I can change their life. Like basically. (laughs) (laughs) I think that, you know, it can feel uncomfortable at first to be like, oh, I'm being like, I think where people start to feel like it's salesy is when you start actually communicating the value of working with you, right? Because that's when you're going beyond, oh, I I deliver a package of photos or, oh, I deliver, you know, um, custom prints or I deliver custom web design. Like, it's really that I think that's that next step is when you have to actually communicate how you change people's life and business with the work that you do. And so again, this is just one of those things that I think you start to step into with practice because again, like you'll do the work and a client will come back to you and they're not going to say thanks for the 50 photos. They're going to say thanks for seeing me in the best possible, like thanks for um, capturing me in the best possible light. I never saw myself that way before. They're not going to say thanks for the nice homepage. They're going to say, wow, my business feels real now. And the thing is, is that you have to start saying that and claiming that in your marketing and not just saying, I help you build a website. I help you make you feel like your business is real and you give your business an online home. So that I think that's like part of the step too, is just thinking about um, you're not being salesy. You're really just communicating the true impact of working with you. I love that giving your business an online home, which is necessary. And I say this all the time. I don't, I don't have, I don't offer mentorship programs anymore, but I used to say this all the time to my mentees. Like nobody can buy anything from you if they don't know what you're selling. Like nobody's, nobody's going to just find your work and then do like go on a deep dive on the internet to find who made the work. And then how do I get in contact with the person who made the work? And then how do I email them? And then how do I, like, nobody's doing that there. If it's too hard, Hard. If, if it's an extra click that they don't want to do, they're out. And so we have to make it easy for people to understand exactly what you're saying, not just what they can buy from you, but why should they buy it? Like, what's the value that you bring to them? And I think that I think the part that creatives get caught up on is actually admitting like, oh, I do bring value to people. Because once you put words to it, you know, oftentimes society has told us that when we, when we put words to what we're good at, it's just braggy. And it's not. It's, it's really not, it's just what you're good at. And you should be able to say that out loud and, and people get so tripped up. Okay. Well, they go in and they're like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to actually try and sell. I'm actually going to put myself out there. But then the next part I see people get like uh, tripped up on is features versus benefits, which is what you were just touching on. People tend to focus on the features of an offer instead of the benefits and, for if you don't, if this is, if this is a new concept to you and you're listening, this is the thing that changed my whole business when I started to understand it in 2018. In 2018, I was like, how do people sell things? Like, how do people close? What, like, how do you do a deal? Like, I just don't get it. Like, how do you move people from and eh, to yes, enthusiastically? And once I started to understand the, standing the difference between features and benefits, everything changed. So let's do a little rundown of that for people. How would you describe the difference between features and benefits and both of their selling powers? Ooh, yes. So, you know, with features and benefits, you need both, right? You need to tell people the features, aka what's included, the just facts, straight up facts about 
what you are delivering to them. Is it, you know, do you include a call and then how many deliverables do they get? What's the timeline? Okay, fine. Those logistics are required, but for benefits, that's when you start to really paint the picture on why people should get excited on working with you and why people should get excited about those features. And that's where you really hit the point home of, oh, it's not just 50 photos, it's 50 personality-driven images I can use to build a personal brand on LinkedIn. That's the difference between a feature and a benefit. The features are photos and the benefit is build a personal brand, right? So you also have to kind of think about um, with your benefits, what is your client's plan for once they're done working with you? Because, okay, this doesn't sound very nice, but like people come to us to solve a problem. They come to us because there's like a gap that they need filled. There's a tool um, or something that they need from us. And as much joy as it brings us to give them the features, <laughs> they're going to go walk away and do something with it. Um, and so the question is, what are they going to do with it? And how can I show them like, hey, maybe they haven't even thought that, oh, yeah, I could use those on LinkedIn or, yeah, I could, you know, I could um, generate more leads with my website. They're, they're not necessarily thinking that because you're in a sea of other people offering the same features. Mm-hmm. So talking about the benefits is a really easy way to stand out. Exactly. The features are the mechanics of your offer, right? And so for photographers, it's like you get so many photos, so many hours of photography, editing, high res, whatever that looks like. And you do need to tell people that that's what they get. But at the same time, like a million other photographers are offering those features. That's not that's not what's going to get you booked. And so while the features are the mechanics of your offer, the benefits are what you get with those features. Like what do those all add up to? My favorite analogy here is um, a sailboat, right? Let's say it's Friday afternoon and you're done with the week. Yay, you had a great week and you are ready to relax. So you are at sunset going for a nice little sail and you step onto the boat and you're in the middle of the ocean and you're watching the beautiful colors of the sky from purple to orange to yellow. And you're like feeling the salt air in your hair and like you're sitting there with a crisp glass of wine or whatever you feel like having on a Friday night. And it is just like the most perfect moment. And in that moment, you're not asking yourself, like, I wonder what varnish is on this wood, or I wonder what type of screw holds this boat together, right? Those are the features, the screws, the wood, all of that that make the boat come together. Those are the features. But the benefit of that boat is sitting there on a Friday afternoon at sunset, enjoying your freaking life. And so that's the difference between features and benefits, right? I love that sailboat analogy. Oh my gosh, I was right there with the wind in my hair. Right? Especially on this like cozy November evening. I'm like, yeah, that sounds pretty dang great. (laughs) Right? Because, and you need both. Like when you're going to go buy a sailboat, you're buying it for the benefit. You're buying it for your Friday afternoon, but you also have to ask like, when was it built? How is it? Whatever questions you ask about a sailboat. Is it seaworthy? (laughs) Is it seaworthy? (laughs) Will it stay afloat? Um, Right? So Okay, so when people come to you, what's the most common thing you see p- creatives get hung up when it com- come hung up on when it comes to copywriting? Ooh, that's a good question. I think that something that happens a lot is that we want to appeal to everyone. We want to feel like, okay, like you know, I can create, I can take photos for anyone, or I can build anyone's website, or whatever your creative project is. Um, I can do that for them. But the thing is, is like when you cast a really wide net like that, again, you kind of just start to zoom out to just like, yeah, here are the features and I can do it for anyone. And nobody starts to really like 
connect and resonate with what you're saying and how it's for them. And the thing is, is that people, if they can't imagine your offer, they're not going to buy it. Just how you gave that beautiful sailboat analogy, like I was ready. I'm like, where do I pay? (laughs) Right. Because I could picture it. And so the more specific you are with your target audience um, and the more clear you are around who you're most excited to show up and support, the easier it is for them to be able to see that in your marketing and raise their hand and say, hey, like, I love what you said about, you know, um, whatever, like, I want to work with you because I feel like you get me. And that's what you really want is to make sure that people can feel seen, heard and understood by your messaging and by your marketing. Absolutely. And being, when you like start to describe what you're good at and who it's good for, and you do start to narrow things down, it gives you leverage to charge more money. And that comes back to what you were talking about right at the very start is that it's not just about paying your bills in your business. It's about thriving and getting to live life, how you really want to live life. Um, And I love this conversation because I feel like I haven't had this conversation in a couple of years. And it's so such an important reminder for like, why are we doing this? Why are we trying to be creative for a living. I love that. But anyway, yes, if when you get narrow on who you are trying to work with and how you want to, how you can fix a problem for them or make something better for them, that gives you leverage to say, well, this is who I work with and I'm really good at XYZ within that category, which that's how, that's how, that's how you start to do, like start to attach the price and value around your offer. Do you see people struggle with that too? Like what, when you work with people through the copywriting process, is that also, are you also working with them through the pricing process and making copy around that? Yeah, definitely. There's a difference between how you, you know, create sales messaging for a high ticket offer versus a low ticket offer. We're seeing this, you know, especially right now with Black Friday. On Black Friday, with low ticket, you typically low ticket awful offers. <laughs> I can't talk. <laughs> typically, with low ticket offers, people are very focused on what do I get? Like features, honestly. What do I get? How much is it? Right. And like with low ticket, that's that's really what you just need to communicate very clearly is like what it is, how much it costs, maybe briefly how it's going to help. Okay. When you're doing a big, um, higher ticket package, let's say you're doing a 10k photography package. When somebody's dropping 10k, they don't they want the red carpet baby. They want the like full blown experience and like they give them the sailboat experience, right? So it's really talking them through the experience, telling them how you're going to serve them, how you're going to be there every step of the way, how this is like an experience for them. How does it shift to their identity? Like, yeah, step into that like next level business owner with, you know, personality driven photos, like help them picture it so that it feels like, wow, this sounds priceless, right? So the bigger, higher ticket it is, um, the more cognizant you have to be about how am I, because here's what happens. People will, even when you charge high ticket, people will look at the price and they'll go back to your marketing to justify that price. Mm-hmm. And so how you're communicating your offer will show them, oh yeah, that definitely sounds like a 10K offer versus like, oh, 10 photos or you know package of photos, that sounds like a $50 offer. I can get that anywhere and they keep scrolling. So that definitely matters. Absolutely. So you've been, you've been, uh, you started your business in 2018. I would love to know kind of what changes and shifts in the industry you've seen over the last, but that's about five or six years. What have you, how have you seen things change over that time? Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so much has changed. I feel like, um, 
even back when I was growing my Instagram, so I started my like business Instagram account, I think in winter of 2018 or early 2019. And I remember I could post pretty much anything and I would get engagement and it would be like, woohoo, like it was just a party town. <laughs> Reels, was, Reels wasn't out yet. Like it was just like a free for all. <laughs> we were just vibing. And honestly, like, yeah, it felt like somebody could just post any old story about um, if you want to, you know, build your business or like, oh, like, you know, if you anybody basically who had the courage to be showing up and selling was like doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm actually kind of grateful I started during that time because I built that courage and I was like, OK, I got started. Um, now I would definitely say it's harder. And I don't think it's because the market is necessarily more saturated. I just think that people are more aware of their options. Mm -hmm. They know that, okay, I don't have to um, just have brand photos. Maybe I could have a brand coach. I don't just have to get um, a website. I could have like a whole like marketing expert look at everything. Like, so people just are more aware of their options. Mm -hmm. um, and this just means we have to really be, um, strategic and how we are communicating what makes us different and better than potentially like their other options. Exactly. I also have a theory about social media right now that I have no numbers to back up, but my feeling I was, I saw somebody even this morning, um, I saw somebody post on threads that like they would some, they will sometimes boost their Instagram posts, um, to get more engagement. And they did it recently and they got no extra engagement, which feeds into my theory, which is that I just don't think people are on Instagram anymore. It's not that I think it's like, nobody wants to see what you have, or they're skipping over it. I just don't think people are logging in period. So when we go post or put a reel out. I don't know that there's, any, when we look at those low numbers and feel disappointed, I don't know that there's anyone there to see it to begin with. Either they're on yeah. other platforms or people are just not as excited by social media as we used to be. And, and it's just like other places. I personally have noticed that my business this year has been thriving on referrals rather than social media. Then again, I haven't been trying super hard with social media. So Who's to say? Um, <laughs> Definitely. What, what about you? What have you noticed in terms of like actually reaching people with messaging? What's working this year? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm sure it varies by niche. Um, but I would say that personally, the same. I've had a lot of referrals. I've had a lot of resigns. I have had new people come through. Yeah, it's this this year is difficult. I feel like this year's a weird year. It's more difficult to figure. It's more difficult to figure out the marketing, which only means the messaging is more important than ever. And so how do you craft? Okay. Okay. Two questions at once. First, what is your process for um, writing when you sit down and you're like, okay, it's time to get in touch with what's this, what this business's goals are and start to form them into words. What's your process for writing? And number two, when you're in that process, how do you know when you've hit the mark when some, when you're like, oh, this is what's going to land? Ooh, definitely. I think that the best place to always start with that is with your clients. Um, that can be client conversations you're having in the DMs. It can be things that people send you. It can be you know, the last like um, client you have, what were they going through? What questions did they have for you? What were they worried about? And how can you like create content around that? That's how I really know. Like, for example, I'm, I'm doing a workshop right now where the topic just came from repeatedly. Like that was like the question that everyone had is like, how do I build desire on evergreen? How do I like 
um, basically garner up interest for my offer without running discounts and bonuses. And I was like, oh, I have some strategies for that. Like I could probably teach on that. So that's really what it is, is like, I think just really knowing your audience and being in touch with what's top of mind for them. What are they wondering about? And it doesn't always have to be like sales content, right? So if you are struggling to know like, well, how do I like start building this community that is like interested in me and my work, start telling stories. Um, Okay, so you shot a wedding last week. Like, what was your process? How did you prepare? What were you really excited about? You know, and even just like, sharing um a day in your life and just talking people through it can be really powerful too so yeah no I love that I love that I that's something that I think it we get to in our heads with content creation it can be as simple as what are people asking me about I and I I did that uh when I first switched into switched into commercial work my coach at the time had me go interview five different people that I would that were um that I would consider ideal clients, which is scary when you're reaching out to people that you feel like are big names in your industry. And you're like, can I have five minutes of your time to, you know, my business coach gave me this homework. And it's not quite the same as can I pick your brain over coffee, which nobody really wants to spend their time on. Nobody wants that. (laughs) Nobody wants that. But you'd be surprised, listener, you would be surprised at the number of people that do want to help newer people in the industry move forward. And if you can make Mm -hmm. it easy for them to do it, like they're happy to do it. And so I ended up speaking to, I think, three or four people on that list, which was awesome. And one person had said, you know, I, we were talking about like, have you done photos? If you don't do photos, what's keeping you from doing professional photos? And her response was, I feel like a deer in headlights when I look at myself in images, like I just don't recognize myself and that's not how I want to look. And that was one of the most valuable pieces of messaging that I could have come across because I was able to use those words exactly. And it resonated so much more than look good in photos, which is great. I use that too, but to get into this, to get into the wording of it or to get into the, how do I communicate this to people? Sometimes people are already giving you those words. Absolutely. It's like when you're in school and the teacher was like, okay, like ask questions because somebody else in the classroom has the same question as you. It's like, yep. (laughs) So your clients or your community, whatever thoughts they're, you know, whatever thoughts they're having, fears they're feeling, um, goals that they have, there's other people who want to see that too. They're just not raising their hand. So. Okay. I think we need to emphasize that because I, I actually never had a teacher that said that. And I kind of wish I kind (laughs) of wish I had, because that's actually really amazing. That never would have occurred to me in school. And I was so shy that I was always like, I'll just ask after class. Um, but it's true. There's somebody who wants to know if one person's asking 10 people are wondering. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And how often do you have clients who you didn't even know mm-hmm. that they were in your audience. You didn't even know that they were following you and they reach out. How often does that happen? Mm-hmm. And that, you know, you were able to do that because you were speaking to things they wanted to hear. So keep that exactly. in mind too. And it's so, what's so, it, it becomes so wild when you start, I, I start all of my phone calls when I, when I'm getting to know a potential client, I start all of my phone calls with, you know, how did you find me? Like, you know, what, where did, where did you come across my information? And that's an interesting deep dive into what's working for your, for your business and your creativity. And the thing that always blows me away that I always think about, because 
Um, you just never know what's going to work. The thing, the story that blows me away is when I was starting, um, it takes a while to get that first client, but it's worth it to keep going until you do the first client that ever paid me money for any type of photography. And this was 10 years ago. The first client was somebody who got my name from a friend I had in high school that I hadn't wow. been talked to since graduation. And here we were almost 10 years later. And she just saw that I had posted on Facebook and she's like, Oh, you know, you, so-and-so's in LA, you need photos. This I went to high school with this girl and she does photos. And that story blows my mind. You really never know who's paying attention, who's really absorbing what you're saying and how important that is to them. There are so many ways that you can connect with people. It's mind blowing. Yeah, no, that's such an incredible story. And it goes to show how far relationships can take you. I think, especially in creative industries, like um, people can, will often like love you and like your way of doing things before they even start to look at like your craft. Like people want to connect with the person first. So start there. I Let's talk about craft a little bit. What brought you, what brought you to words? as a, as, as work, like what brought you to love words so much that you wanted to turn it into a business? This is one of those questions where it's like, I should have a good answer for this, but I've just <laughs> always loved words. I've just always been <laughs> so cheesy, but like I have written in a journal since I was seven. I've always just expressed myself with words. Um, when I was in college, I like really wanted it to be a final essay instead of an exam. Cause like, I was like, yeah, I get to write. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. and like, even when I started my nine to five, I was always looking for tasks that involved like writing or research, um, or like writing the company newsletter or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, like when I discovered copy, I felt like everything like came together. I was like, you know, I just want to like, and I think that was another thing is like, even in university, I thought about, well, maybe do I want to do like journalism or research or something that involves like writing a lot? And I was like, no, because do people even read that? And God, it sounds so boring. And like, yeah, it's important, (laughs) but I don't know if I can get behind it. Like, um, which is like only sort of sure. I, I really, I studied environmental studies and I really wanted to do like environmental like research and things like that. Oh but God, anyway, so life took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, for me, copy was like, oh, like it's, it's like writing that people feel really connected to. They feel really moved by and like to even um, have that power with your words. I don't know. It, I just felt like what a cool job, like helping people get connected to the things that they need. Uh, okay. So the reason I was having such a joyful reaction to what you're saying, cause I was like laughing a little bit, cause I understand this so deeply. Like I majored in journalism in college, um, <laughs> but I used to look at the creative writing programs and I wanted to do those so bad, but I didn't think I could. So I picked a safer route for me, which was yeah. journalism, which was, I was like, it's still writing. Um, but it felt like safer writing in a sort of way. Um, and then of course I, I mean, I did journalism and editing for a while and then I switched major away from it so it's so funny like what you start to study in school you just think so deeply like this is what I'm setting my life off and then it's so funny how things can change so much (laughs) so seriously like my goal like actually out of college I like tried to like apply to be a park ranger (laughs) I wanted to like work at like a sea turtle like farm um not farm but like um you know biodiversity like organization all these things so and you never know you never know oh my gosh that's so cool 
Oh, I love that. Um, oh, so this is actually something I see very commonly. Um, I haven't really looked into, I haven't talked to a lot of men about this, but I talk to women about this all the time because I'm always talking about their businesses and their careers. And what I notice is we we have often, if, if it's uh, women starting their own business, oftentimes we're doing it after starting down like the safer road and then doing the safer road for a few years and then going, maybe I don't, maybe, maybe this isn't what I want to do for my life. Like it's safe, but it's not fulfilling, you know? And so that that's when we like start to take these right turns into a whole new world and to a whole new career or a whole new topic or something different. Um, do you, do you ever see that with people who are coming into your business or people that you're working with? Yeah, absolutely. So many people. Um, I always love hearing the like backstory, like, oh, I studied this actually, because it's always so surprising. And yeah, it's true. I think that, you know, it's interesting for you how you mentioned about journalism. You know, I didn't even touch anything writing because I I just had it drilled in my head, like you can't make money being a writer of any kind. Yes, um, <laughs> yes exactly. Yeah. And so like, I think this idea of just like figuring out like, oh, like there's this whole sector and it's funny because I knew I liked copy before I knew what copy was. Because mm -hmm. I remember saying to my now husband, we were in like a CVS and I was reading the back of some shampoo bottle or something. And it had some like clever copy on it. And I said, I want to be the person who writes this. Like, I want to be the person who writes this. And it's funny because like looking back, I'm like, that's copy. <laughs> I wish I could just like shout from like the void, like to my past self, that's copy. Like you can do that. That's a real job. <laughs> so I just, yeah, I mean, to be a creative, I mean, I just admire it so much. I, I do art in like my free time and it's just such a valuable thing. And I think, you know, we were talking about pricing earlier and I just feel so strongly, you know, when you say, oh, you know, I, I don't want to be salesy, like treat it like a rebellious act, like show the world how valuable creativity truly is and charge, charge it and add tax. Like, yes, yes. I, that's, I used to say this all the time on my platform and I brought it back the other day, but it's because I love it so much. And I've actually said this on sales calls before, but I, you know, I, people, people will, people who are looking at your work and considering working with you and considering hiring you as a creative will feel however they feel about the money of it. And it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with how they feel about money in general. And my response across the board is very typically good work costs good money. And I'm really good at what I do. And that's it. Go. I don't need it to be anything, but that I'm, and I, I do think there, there's a time and place for information and education because I, I don't really get people asking me to explain my prices very much, not anymore. Um, but when I did, I would be very clear on the difference between information, education, and explanation. I do not explain anything. I don't explain or justify my prices. I don't need to, but I will inform people. Um, this is what's included, and this is why it is a highly valuable service. And so that's, that's where I always want to stay. And it's perfectly okay to be a creative that charges money for what you do like it, it I feel like we kind of idealize the starving artist trope but it's simply not necessary and also like it keeps us from recognizing as a society like I don't think it's a coincidence that when you ask people you know what would you do with your life if you didn't have to worry about paying bills most people will say an artistic endeavor in some sort of way or a creative endeavor 
And I think that's because as humans, like we just want to sit here and make things that we enjoy. And if we buy too much into this trope of like the starving artist and how that's idealized, um, it keeps us from doing what we really want to do. But also from like seeing the power of like, no, it's okay to make money doing what I love. That's that's more available to you than, than you might think it is. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I also think this kind of goes back to, you know, features and benefits where, um, don't let your client pick apart your features, show them the benefits and explain to them why you do things the way you do things, right? And how what outcome they get to have because they follow your process. Um, and so knowing, even this is the thing about messaging too, is like when you know this about your offer, you're able to, show, like you said, show up on a sales call and communicate that. You're able to express it in your marketing. So just like taking time to have a step back and really like think about and sit with what is the impact of working with me like this process that I follow why do I follow it that way why does this get the client the result like outline that for yourself so that you can bring that to your next conversation so that you can put that in your proposal and like use that to your advantage to you know show people oh my gosh working with her priceless and seeing that price now it's a no-brainer because I see the value Yes. And I, okay. So I want to like underline this for everybody with a practical example, because I'm really, I'm really big on this. Like I, people will pick apart the features and say, well, do you really need this? Do you really need that? And I know what I need to do my process and to show up in full on set. I know what I need, um, which is why I do not line item. Co- when I send out a proposal, I do not line item costs. Like you will, you will get the breakdown of what's included. There will be like a line, 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 but, but there won't be what each item costs, there's only going to be one number at the bottom there. And cause that's the number I want people to make a decision on. And yeah. if you start to include every single cost there, people will start to say, well, we could take $60 out here. We can take $500 out here. And I, I certainly can't, like, I need my assistant on set. I need X, Y, Z equipment rental kind of thing. And so I just want to underline that for people. Um, because that's what that looks like. Everything that you're talking about right there, that's what that looks like in like, a business sense. And it is okay to take that one number, even if it feels really big there, that's a good opportunity. I hope you're sending, I hope you all, I hope you all are sending out proposals that are so big. It makes you like taking a deep breath. Break a sweat. <laughs> Break a sweat. Break a sweat. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> but I don't know. What do you think? Is that like a good example of kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. And like, you know, how you said have one number, when they ask like exactly what you said, when they ask, well, why is it 10K or why is it 5K? It's like, exactly. Don't don't say, well, I need my assistant and I need this and I need that. It's like, because I've worked with clients like you before on projects like this before. Again, so specializing with your who uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and communicating to them, like this is the process that I know will get you the best result. And what was that great quote you had just now of like great work is a great price basically. So <laughs> Exactly. Good work yeah. costs good money. And I'm really good at there writing you. Go. you. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I, that's, I think that illustrates really beautifully, like the difference between information and explanation. Like it, like if somebody's saying like, why does this cost 10 K? Um, I don't need to justify, well, I have to do this rental and then the rental comes with insurance and then the insurance costs. Like, I don't need to justify things or I don't need to justify like, well, I have so many years of experience and I should be paid accordingly, even though that is like the reason for it. It can be as succinct as like, I've been doing this for a long time. If you want the results that we talked about, this is what the cost is. Um, 
let me know if you want to book. <laughs> Basically. I mean, I remember when I first, first started my business, um, I was, I can't even like say it. I was charging three cents a word, three cents a word. Yeah. Oh and this gosh. is the thing, right? It's like when you're first starting out, you don't realize how valuable you are. You don't realize, um, especially when you do good work that you are worth so much more and God, I mean, imagine with chat GPT now trying to swim among those three cent people, like no way. And so, um, part of it is also just like what we're saying about getting comfortable with your pricing, getting comfortable, understanding your value. And I think this is part of what, you know, with messaging, yes, it's important to know your messaging so that you can, you know, communicate your value to your clients, but it's also such a game changer for your mindset when you really see in front of you, oh, like I'm actually delivering so much. Um, and something else that comes up is like thinking about the mental load of any project. Like sometimes I think, you know, okay, like, yeah, um, maybe our strategy call is three hours, but I'm thinking about you in the shower that morning. I'm thinking about you when I, before I go to bed that night. Like when I'm, you know, daydreaming, I'm thinking like, what, what can I say to like better sell pages, like, you know, offer. So just also thinking and giving yourself credit for where um, you are committed to that client beyond the time that, you know, you're on the, like on the project. Exactly. Exactly. And of course I say all of this and I'm about to do a huge education thing on my Instagram where I break down every, like I, I, this, it's something that originated. There's an account on Instagram where photographers submit their, like the yearly gross, their yearly net and what that includes and what their business really looks like. And they do it anonymously. Um, because it, 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 it all, it, it always feels weird to like put that stuff out there, but I'm so grateful that there are photographers that like there are photographers that are like, oh, I made 435, um, you know, in 2022 and I netted 375 or whatever that is, or maybe I'm getting gross and net mixed up. I that's why I have an accountant, you guys. That's my recommendation. Get an accountant. Um, <laughs> but I but it's such it's been such a point of transparency. And I started looking at these posts and I'm like, oh my God, I have not raised my prices in two years. And it's time. I'm looking at these prices other photographers are charging. And I feel like I'm certainly not under market. And I'm actually, I think, still a little bit above market, but I'm about to do a big education. I started talking about this in my stories and it was an interesting conversation and people are, and I was like, do we want me to do a 2023 breakdown and a 2024 breakdown of like what cost increases are going to be? So I say all of that and I'm about to do a huge point of education and information on my Instagram. So I think that'll be interesting. Um, I'm curious yeah. how people are going to respond, but it makes me, uh, I'll say this here. It makes me nervous to do it. Even though my prices are on my website for 2023, like there's no mystery there. My prices are already out there. Um, but to say what I'm going to do in 2024 feels scary because it's like, well, I know I'm booking at my 2023 prices, but am I going to book at what I want my 2024 prices to be? That feels yeah. scary. Um, I don't know. How do you how do you feel about you know price increases going from three cents a word, which is so far, so far, <laughs> so much less than than what you deserve to be making because you're so good with words. Um how do, where, how do you sit with those changes? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's just about finding strategies that work for you to raise your prices. So, you know, for example, years ago when I was charging so little, um, I just started to like nudge it up gently. Like after every project where a client said, good job, or, you know, great work, I would be like, okay, now it's going to be 10 cents a word. <laughs> But then like you start to, you know, and this is actually part of why I'm grateful I found the community I did on Instagram 
because you, you know, I know we kind of, um, some people bash on the online space in terms of like, oh, like, you know, talking about money wins and stuff. But honestly, like at, in the early days for me seeing, oh, people are charging even just four figures for something. I was like, oh, I can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so now for me, it's just a cycle of um, every, you know, every couple of times I work with, a, you know, some clients, I get some more feedback. I understand what they're really looking for. I will just increase, I'll just increase the price. Just And again, like maybe instead of by, you know, a couple cents, I'll do it by a couple hundred dollars. And even recently, after waiting a full year, I actually doubled the price of one of my offers. Um, I know, it's so exciting. I love it, I love and, it. And for the record, I also like added new features and I revamped it based on client like feedback. So it's, it's um, going back to what I said earlier about when you have these high ticket prices, just making sure also that you are communicating the value mm-hmm. of your offer and showing people different angles of value that they get. So not just the feature, but also the benefit, not just what they get, but how they're going to feel doing it, not just what you do, but how you do it differently, right? So just looking for different ways you can show people this price tag should be a no-brainer based on all the value and all the different ways I'm going to show up for you and give you the best possible experience. I love that. It's so interesting to me when I think about like a per word fee, I think all the way, I wasn't working in any kind of editorial industry in the nineties. I was still in, I still growing up, but in the nineties, you could find freelancing writing jobs at like big publications for like two to $4 a word, which when I think about that blows my mind. But even when I worked in editorial, we would commission, you know, features that were maybe two to 3000 words and we would pay one to $2 a word. And that blows my mind too, because that would have been what the 20, the late 2000s, early 2010s. And the industry has changed so much in terms of how it values words, which is also interesting because I feel like words have only increased in value over time and our ability to use them effectively. Anyway, that's what that made me think about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, to me, I thought it was very interesting, like when Chat GPT came out, because people were like, "Oh, like it's gonna replace, it's gonna replace people," and I was like, "No, like this should only increase the value of like, you know, person, human, creative words, because it's like now any like cheap words are like a commodity, whereas, you know, so anyway, that's just something else too." I could I could go on and on about chat GPT. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure I should just do a different episode about um AI, but I fully agree with this. And the thing that always sticks out to me about like chat GPT or AI generated words is it it's very mm, it's very like, um, it's like, it's not the same sentence over and over again, but it's like the same structure over and over again. So you're just reading like the cat is orange, the desk is brown, the blah, blah, blah is blah, 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 right? But when you're actually talking to a human and when you're reading copy that is really engaging and interesting, it reads like music, right? There's a different cadence in each sentence. You're you're going up and down with the feelings of it. And it's just so enriching. Um, and I just, oh, the differences are always startling to me, even though it seems like we have really started to um, incorporate chat GPT, but I always feel like chat GPT stands out as mediocre, which is, I don't know, kind of a funny thing to say, like, see, you never stand out with anything that you don't want to stand out as mediocre, I guess is a way to put that. Yeah. 
I mean, hey, at the end of the day, chat GPT has a brand voice and it's not the same as yours. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) Um, Samantha, tell us about what's going on in your business right now. What have you got for people? Yeah. So, you know, if you are curious, you know, I said a lot this call about, sorry, this podcast about, um, you know, communicating your value. If you're curious to learn more about how you can do that, I have a free resource called The Powerhouse Promise. It's a mini course that will show you how to craft a compelling tagline that you can use to communicate and sell your offers, whether that's a service, a program, whatever you've got going on to support your clients. I highly recommend taking a look. Um, And of course, there are ways to work with me on your messaging too. I love that. And I highly recommend everybody listening to go check out Samantha. Her work is incredible. Her copy is incredible. Where can people find you? What's your website and what's your Instagram? Yeah. So my website is samanthahoylet.com and I'm on Instagram at samanthahoylet.writes. Awesome. I will make sure and include those links in the show notes. Samantha, thank you so much for being here today. And it was just such an amazing conversation. I really appreciate it. I also want to point out that if people want to work with you directly, there are one, there are one-on-one offers that I know that you have, um, that are going, that are going to be, um, truly transformative. So if you are out there and you're like, Oh, I need copy support, like reach out to Samantha. She is incredible. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your time and your knowledge and your experience and your expertise. This was incredible. Thanks so much, Paige. This was so much fun. Thanks everyone for listening too. Thank you for joining me here today on Over the Edge podcast. Come back next week. And of course, like, subscribe, give me five stars. I would love that. Um, Help a girl out because I am new to this podcasting thing and I could really use the support. Thank you guys so much for being here and I'll talk to you next week.